The divorce experience can leave you with a lot of unanswered questions. Questions that are extremely important and they deserve honest, concrete answers. What is my purpose now that I'm single again? How do I fit into my parish and society? Where do I go from here? Have you ever asked these questions? Have you ever gotten satisfactory answers? One of the best ways to find those answers is by going through the Catholic annulment process. But admittedly, there is so much confusion and frustration involved with that due to the myths and misinformation out there. And oftentimes people just don't even want to consider it as a possibility. If you're one of those people, then today, I'd like to try and change that. Hi, I'm Lisa Duffy with lisaduffy.com, and welcome to another presentation in the Journey of Hope podcast series. Before I announce my special guest, I want to tell you that in my personal experience, one thing is certain. The annulment process is a healing process, and it's one that can significantly change your life in a positive way. So I'd like to introduce you to Jackie Rapp. Jackie is a canon lawyer for the Diocese of Louisville, Kentucky. She's also an author, a speaker, a pastoral associate for her parish, and she's also a wife and mother. She's part of an amazing lineup of speakers for the Journey of Hope Conference coming up this August, and I wanted to give you a chance to get to know her and to hear her great compassion that she blends with her knowledge of canon law and the seasoned experience that she has working with people going through the annulment process. My guess is you'll probably have at least a few of your questions answered just in listening to the podcast. Jackie, thank you so much for being with us today. And I really wanted to start with asking you about how you became a canon lawyer, because I know uh, you've mentioned before that you had sort of a unique path to getting there. Would you tell us about how that came to be? Well, I think my path is a little different than a lot of people's in that I'm not a priest or a religious, so I have my own way of kind of getting there. I was in my third year of law school, um, and I was not Catholic yet, and I int was introduced to some Catholics, and the next thing you know, they were praying for me, and the next thing you know, I became Catholic. <laughs> and during that time, people kept saying to me, oh, you should go into canon law, you should go into canon law. And at the time, you know, I didn't have, you know, $25,000 a year to go to Catholic University of America. I mean, I just didn't have it. It wasn't available to me. Um, and so... I finished law school, took a year off, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because I really knew I did not want to practice law. So at some point, I decided I would go and um, look into religious life. So I went and did uh, a retreat with the Sisters of Charity up in Toronto. And after some time with them, they were like, we really don't think you have a call to religious life, but have you ever considered canon law? And I explained to them that I had, I, I had thought about it, but I didn't have the money to go to school. And they said, well, actually, there's another school in North America, St. Paul University in Ottawa, that's a lot cheaper. So I started looking into it, and it was a lot cheaper. 
because at the time I was living in Canada and I was able to go for the rate that Canadian citizens go to school. And so it was considerably cheaper. And it just kind of fell into place. I called the school. They were like, yeah, you need to take some theology classes, which I took at the University of Toronto. And then I was in. I mean, it, it just seemed to flow so naturally. Um, but it wasn't sort of a traditional path. And once I was there, I just knew this was where I was supposed to be and this is where God had called me. Because when I was younger, I really felt God was calling me to a ministry of justice. And I really wasn't sure how that was supposed to play itself out. Because when you're Protestant, really the only way you can get into sort of a a quote-unquote ministry of justice is through civil law. You go to law school and then you try to practice it in a humane pastoral sort of way. But once I got to law school, I realized I really don't want to do this. This is, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And so when I ended up you know, pursuing canon law, it's like it finally clicked that mm-hmm. this, was, this was the ministry of justice to which I had been called. Well, that's really kind of beautiful, um, the way in which you ended up there. And you mentioned something important that centers around what you do, the annulment process is about justice. Um, it's about a lot of things, but I mm-hmm. think in the end, it is about justice. And I, I just love the way you kind of have woven that in. Well, I think it's, it's justice tempered with mercy. And just like God calls us to be, and it just as God is himself, justice tempered with mercy. Um, and that's the thing about the annulment process that I love the most is that while it is difficult, while it is challenging, while it is painful, um, it is merciful. It is an attempt to look at facts and say, was this what the church stands for in terms of marriage? You know, the church has a very high bar of marriage. It's not just sort of we take the lowest common denominator and go from there. We have, you know, a standard by which we measure what marriage is. And so, you know, we look from a justice perspective to say, was this what the church teaches marriage to be? And if it's not, then we apply with mercy and say, then these people were never married according to church law, and they are now free to enter into another marriage or to become a priest or, you know, what other, uh, other number of things could go from there. Um, but I really think that that's the key, is that it's justice tempered with mercy. And that's such a beautiful message, especially today when we have so many Catholics who have been through a divorce and they may or may not be dating and getting into a relationship again. They may or may not be remarried. And there's just such a lack of understanding um, of this beautiful combination of justice and mercy that is only available through the annulment process in, in that particular fashion, which kind of leads me to my next question. I have heard so many people over the years say, I do not believe in the annulment process. And when I question them about that, it gets down to the fact that they, that person believes that if you stand before anybody, a priest, a justice of peace, whomever, um, Elvis, and you take vows, that it's a permanent, valid, covenantal bond and that lasts forever. And so when they say they don't believe in the process, what they are articulating is 
they don't believe that the church, meaning men, can dissolve that bond. Right. And so if they're, you know, what would you tell someone in that position? And I, and I preface it by saying also that those people are really in their own way trying to hold true to the teaching of Christ that marriage is, you know, meant to be permanent. Absolutely. And, you know, the truth is that marriage is meant to be permanent. And the church says every marriage until proven otherwise is a valid permanent marriage. Um, so I think what you need to approach things with is that, first of all, an annulment is not a Catholic divorce. It's not a way of saying, you know, there was a marriage here, now there's not. The church is looking at the beginning of the relationship and saying, when you said I do, is this what the church says marriage is? You know, because marriage says if it's, the church says if it's marriage, then it's permanent. But not every exchange of consent equals marriage. Not every set of vows equals marriage. You know, if two Catholics stand before a justice of the peace, then we would say, yes, they exchanged vows, but no, it's not marriage because the church has certain standards by which we say marriage exists between Catholics. So it's important to remember that not every exchange of vows equals a marriage. And that's sometimes hard for people to hear. But the other thing that needs to be taken into account is that, you know, people who are trying to really hold on to the values of marriage, I applaud those people. I think that they are really strongly striving to hold on to what Christ taught. And I don't blame them for that. But at the same time, Everybody has a right to know their status in the church. Everyone has a right to know where they stand in relation to the church and sacraments and the ongoing participation of the life of the church. And if you become divorced, then you have a right to know where you stand with the church in that moment. You know, yes, the presumption is you are still married to somebody and you cannot marry again. And so that's, you know, if you want to say that's my status and that's what I live with and I will live with that for the rest of my life, then so be it. Nobody's going to challenge you. And you just have to, you know, you accept that and you move forward with your life and say, okay, that's fine, I'll never marry again. People can make that choice, and that's okay. But other people may want to know what their status is within the church and know whether the church has said, yes, this is a marriage, or no, it wasn't. And so, you know, the church, the sacraments belong to the church. And therefore, the church has the ability to decide whether or not a sacrament took place. Um, and I think that's sometimes hard for people to understand, but that is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And I think um, you brought something else up that's really important. I definitely experienced this when I went through my divorce so many years ago, and that was that confusion. Where do I fit in? What What is my status with the church? I mean, it, it was heavy questions on my heart that were hard to get real concrete answers to uh, for a while. And I think that that is probably one of the reasons why people tend to leave the church because they feel that disconnection and um, there aren't always answers readily available to them because of whatever situation. And um, I think that, yeah, that was a really important point. You know, we need to, this is an opportunity 
to get answers to your questions, to find your new direction in life. You know, this devastating mm -hmm. thing happened to me. Now what? What? Yeah. Where do I go? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a great point. Um, do you believe the annulment process is a healing process, and, and why do you believe that, if so? I absolutely believe it's a healing process. One, just from seeing the lives of the people who've gone through and who are changed by it. Um, we had one woman who was um, a respondent in a case, she's Baptist, and at first was very hesitant about going through the process because her former spouse was now wanting to become Catholic, and so they were going through the process because he wanted to marry a Catholic and was becoming Catholic and, you know, all of that. So she was very hesitant about the process. But somewhere along the line, he decided he no longer wanted to go through this anymore. And she, the respondent, decided, no, I want to keep going. Like something inside of her was changing because she had started this process, wasn't even Catholic, and hmm. knew that something inside of her was changing because she was facing these things. And that's the key to why I believe that it's a healing process. I really think that in order to overcome issues, you have to face them. You know, from a lot of what we deal with is psychological, you know, when we're dealing with annulment cases. And you see how people have, you know, issues either with themselves or with their former spouse or, you know, their former spouse is this horrible person. Well, then what, what in your life drew you to a horrible person? Like what, what in your life drew you to that place that you ended up choosing this person? Mm -hmm. And I think when people begin to reflect upon that, they can move forward and make better choices. But I think if you just decide to put things behind you and never really address what your own personal issues were in this marriage or in this relationship, you are doomed to repeat those issues over and over again. I mean, it is just inevitable that, you know, we get cases before us that have, you know, someone who's gone through five marriages and that person will have married the same person five times. Different bodies, right. <laughs> different names, different bodies, but same yeah. person. Yeah. Because they've never addressed the issues that led them to make the choices they made in the first place. Okay. So I think in order to be fully healed, you have to fully address your own issues. Yes. Um, again, speaking from personal experience, I went through the annulment process in, uh, I kind of dragged my feet. So I started in 1995 and uh, ended up with my decree of nullity in 1997, summer of 1997. And um, so starting out, when I received that uh, questionnaire in the mail, and I opened it up and I flipped through it and I saw the questions, I just kicked open the bottom drawer of my desk, threw it in there, kicked it closed, and didn't revisit that for a couple of weeks at least because I knew, I mean, I could see that I was going to have to face my issues head on. There was no question. And so I kind of had to mentally prepare myself for that. And I think that for me personally, after my divorce, there was a lot of anger toward God. So I don't think I was necessarily in uh, the right place when I first read those questions, but it was an alert for me. It was, now you, now you need to. Now you need to start coming back to God. You need to start getting ready to face this because 
um, this is how you're going to get through it. And I do have to say that even though it was very difficult to revisit all those memories and, and you know, do essay questions on um, things, bad memories, um, it was so cleansing. It was such a cleansing experience and it really helped me as a person grow spiritually because you're right, I did have to come to terms and, and accept my issues. Why did I marry someone like that? Why, you know, all these question marks were now dotted with, you know, periods or exclamation points. I could understand mm -hmm. why the choices that I made and, and the mistakes that I made and how to go forward free of that. It really was a freeing experience. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way. Some people walk out of it and say, that was brutal, that was horrible, I didn't learn anything. Mm -hmm. um, but other people, I mean, because some, some people are going to be that way. Some people are going to feel like, you know, I f filled out all these papers and it just proved to me that my former spouse was this horrible person um, and I'm just convinced that everything was rests on that person. Mm -hmm. Until you are willing to face that it takes two people to tango, Mm -hmm. um, I think you're just, you know, you're just sort of doomed to move forward and do what you've done in the past. And I really think that if you focus on yourself, when you start the annulment process and focus on what you did and how you approached things and where you were at the time, you are going to experience a healing. You know, the kind of work Jackie does can be pretty difficult at times. Dealing with the details of someone's divorce and failed marriage is pretty heavy. And so I wanted to find out what motivates her in this. What makes her willing and interested in wading through all those painful memories and details with someone? You do this pretty much full time. And, and you help, you know, you are pastoral associate at your parish. So you see a lot of heartbreak. What is it about what you do that you enjoy? What is it that, you know, makes you get up in the morning and say, I love what I do? Bringing people back to the table. Mm -hmm. Bringing people back to the communion table. That is the end game for me, is knowing that because of what I do, people are reunited to the sacraments, People are set free from their issues. People are willing um, and able to enter into healthier relationships if that's what they choose. I mean, it's, it's that. That's the stuff that keeps you going. That's the stuff. Because this is hard work. You know, facing these annulment cases, I mean, day in and day out, you're dealing with people's destroyed lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yes, you all who've gone through the process have lived it, and that's a horrible experience, and I agree with that. Then having to read people's horrible experiences on a daily basis, that's mm -hmm. difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you start to absorb some of that, and you really have to surround yourself in prayer to make sure that, that it's not deeply affecting your own relationships. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. But the idea that in the end, I'm helping people come back to the table. You know, when I'm having a rough day, when I'm just like, I am sick of this, I can't do it anymore. And my husband reminds me, 
You know, remember why you do this. Mm-hmm. Remember the people. Remember those who struggle and suffer and that you are an instrument in their healing and in their being able to receive communion. Um, remember that. And it, it clarifies things for me. It clarifies my vision. And it reminds me why this is important work. That is so beautiful. Uh, it really is beautiful and selfless. And I am grateful that you and others like you are out there because, you know, there are so many people who are hurting. I know you know that. Um, and I think, you know, my the other question that I wanted to ask, you may already have answered it in your last response. But if you have anything to add, that would be great. And that is simply that, you know, if someone listening to this podcast was considering the annulment process, but really kind of feeling kind of leery or unsure of whether or not it was a good thing, do you have any words of encouragement for that person? I really think my words of encouragement are work towards freedom. Be free. You know, this is about freedom. Freedom from your past, freedom from past decisions, freedom from past choices. You deserve that. You deserve to know where you stand with the church. You deserve to have freedom from your past. You deserve to have, you know, if you just choose to get married again in the future, you deserve to have that church wedding. You deserve to be in connection with the sacraments. You deserve to have that life that Christ calls you to. And be blessed in that. It's a hard process. It's a difficult thing to go through. Um, But when you're emotionally ready, it's a healing process. And you deserve that freedom. And I would encourage people to reach towards their freedom, reach towards the freedom that Christ calls them to. That is beautiful. And, you know, again, coming from personal experience, having gone through it, I find those words very motivating, very consoling. You know, there's there's so many broken hearts out there that are searching for consolation and peace. And uh, hopefully they will consider the annulment process in that uh, desire to be healed and, um, you know, check it out. So I know that it's a big deal for a lot of people. And I'm thrilled that you're going to be at the Journey of Hope conference to speak to everyone. I'm I'm really, really looking forward to that talk because I know, just like this podcast, it's going to shed so much light and it's going to bring so much compassion and consolation to people who are hurting. So I'm so grateful that you're going to be there. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. So great. So Jackie, where can listeners find out more about all the great work you're doing? Um, People can go to KY Canonist, Kentucky Canonist, kycanonist.com. Fantastic. And that's the best that's the best way to reach out to me too. I, I want people to know if they have questions, if they have concerns, if there's something they need to know more about, they can reach me that way. That's the best way to reach me is through my website. Um, I'm always happy to, you know, work back and forth and email with people. Um, I find that it's easiest to get a lot of information that way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so really, if people want to email me, I'm happy to receive emails and you know get back into discussion with people to help them answer their questions and to help them along their journey. Um, if they have you know questions that they're trying to answer, or if they have simpler, more simple questions. Um, I wrote a book with Pete Veery that's called Annulment 100 Questions and Answers for Catholics. Uh, I've heard from other people, <laughs> from other sources, that it's a good reference book because it's done in question and answer format mm-hmm. and allows people to take some of the more basic questions and be able to have them answered in that sort of environment. Yes, I, I have a copy of that book. I refer to it often, so I can vouch for that. It, it is a very um, easy book to refer to, you refer questions and, and get answers to. So thank you so much for that. And Jackie, thank you so much for spending time with me uh, in your busy day. I appreciate it, and um, we'll look forward to seeing you at the conference. Sounds good. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Jackie Rapp, and you can meet Jackie in person at the Journey of Hope Conference, where she'll be one of the keynote speakers. Just visit journeyofhopeconference.com, where you can register and find out more information. And remember that the low holiday registration rate will end January 31st, so I encourage you to register soon.